welcome back to iGen Politics, the podcast that makes politics engaging and relevant to all generations. This is Victor Shi. And I'm Jill Winebanks, and I'm wearing a very special Jill's pin today. It is a old pin um, from probably World War I or World War II, but it says, Defend America. And that's how I see our guests today, as they are all involved in defending America, for which I thank them all. Because Election Day is 34 days away, and today we're talking about how important it is to my generation, Generation Z, which, like Jill said, is going to defend America this midterm election. Um, We're a very unique generation, as uh, the people on this panel are no strangers to. We're the most online, the most educated, the most diverse, the third largest generation in America, and that's why um, I'm so excited for today's conversation with these three, I guess, four guests. uh, who will uh, be joining us to talk about how to turn out young voters and also how to make it happen this November. So, Jill, kicking off to you. Yes. Well, I'm as excited as you are, Victor, because I do see Gen Z as our future, and I'm so ready to turn off the responsibilities to you and hoping that you will take off that I have been fighting now for 50 years, long before you were born. Uh, I was involved in these. And I'm looking forward to talking to all of you about the work you are currently doing to get out the vote, running for office, and also about the stakes of this election. Um, I, I, I'm telling you, I'm in New York, and even though I'm high up on a floor, you can hear fire engines and things. Sorry about that. There's nothing I can do. Um, but go ahead, Vic. It's all good. So let's introduce our guest. We have an all-star panel. Uh, the first guest with us is Sam Lawrence. He's currently a sophomore at Miami, Miami University in Ohio. He's 19 years old, and he's running for the Ohio State Legislature, and if elected, uh, would be the youngest member in history, I believe. So welcome, Sam. Thank you so much. And we are excited to have joining us later on. Um, she had a little accident, so she's running a little late. Oh, Jill, she's actually here. Mariana. Oh, she's here. Sorry. She made it, yes. I'm, oh, okay. Hi, Mariana. Uh, it's Mariana Pecora. Hi, how she, are you guys? Thank you. I hope you're well. Are you doing good? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Good. Anyway, Mariana is a freshman at George Washington University. She's also 19 years old and currently serves as the communications director of Voters of Tomorrow. She has also gone viral on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, Everybody should know her by now because she recently got kicked by none other than Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I am really excited. She has filed an ethics complaint against uh, Greene, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I look forward to talking to her about all of this. Next, we have uh, Ray Reed. He's 25 years old, recently ran for Congress in Missouri in the primary last August. Although he didn't win, he ran a great campaign, and he's now turning his energy into registering voters for the midterm. So we're excited to talk to him about that. Welcome, Ray, to the show. And finally, we have Maxwell Frost with us, who is running for Florida, uh, in Florida for Congress. He recently won his primary, and if elected in November, he will become the first Gen Z member of Congress. So thank you all for being here. Let's start with asking each of you to answer, because you're all young, you're all involved, and I just want to know what made you get involved and a little bit more about what you care about, uh, maybe three issues that are of extreme importance to you and the rest of your generation. Who wants to start? How about, wait, okay, go ahead, go ahead. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's great to be on a panel with such great people, especially my brother, Ray. Um, so, you know, for me, my journey started 10 years ago because of the Sandy Hook shooting. Um, that's what got me involved in politics. I went to the memorial that was going on in Washington, D.C. at 15 and just remember specifically sitting across from a guy named Matthew Soto, who his sister Vicky Soto was a teacher at Sandy Hook, who when she heard the gunshots, she hid the children in cabinets and in the closets to save their lives. And sitting across from him, hearing him talk about how much he, he misses his sister, um, seeing that pain, you know, I, I ran straight to my hotel room and said, for the rest of my life, I'm going to fight for a world where no one has to feel the pain that I saw in Matthew's eyes that night. Um, you know how it is, right? You get in for one reason, and then you realize that there's a lot of problems. And for every problem, there's multiple solutions. And for every solution, there's countless people doing the work. And that's what got me involved. I started working in campaign straight out of high school, went to go work for the ACLU, and most recently was organizing director March for Our Lives. And my whole life has been about organizing. Um, I believe that there's so many issues that we have to tackle at the same time. As a survivor of gun violence myself, and, and that being why I got involved in this work, gun violence is one of my priorities in Congress. I plan on being a vocal member around ending gun violence and the creative ways that we can do that in our communities. Protecting our democracy is incredibly important. It's really the key to unlock a lot of bold, transformational legislation that's talking about making voting more accessible, talking about make elections, making elections more accessible, getting big money out of elections, mm -hmm. um, things like that. And the third one I'd say is the climate crisis. And look, I'm in Florida. We just had one of the worst hurricanes in, in generations here. Um, there are so many people displaced. I was actually out this morning passing out food to families who still don't have power, still are, have lost everything that they own. And you look, we didn't cause the hurricane, but science tells us that we are causing these uh, we are contributing to these more devastating effects. And so the cost of not doing anything is far greater than the cost of taking bold action. This is one of the reasons why I decided to run for Congress. Those are great, great reasons. And I hope everyone in Florida is going to really get some assistance from the government to recover. I was supposed to be speaking in Sanibel in less than a month. And I'm assuming that it will be canceled because, I mean, you can't even get to Sanibel now because there's no causeway. But um, okay, uh, Mariana, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. So um, I am of the generation of young people that grew up with mass shootings being sort of like daily occurrences in our lives um, and that grew up hearing about climate change that grew up hearing about things that we knew were going to have lasting effects on us. And when I was younger for a very long time, I felt like I didn't have any power in that. Um, and then I was in sixth grade when Donald Trump decided to run for president of the United States. And um, I'm a Mexican-American. My mom is the first person in her family to become an American citizen. And hearing the way that he talked about my family members was devastating and it really just wasn't a representation of my values of my friends values of the values that i see as american values and um i was really upset by that um and so after four years of the trump presidency and um really caring about restoring our democracy and putting back values into place in our leadership that i felt represented what young people want and what our country as a whole should be representing and striving towards. Um, 
were the main things that led me to get involved. Um, I did some work on some local congressional campaigns, and now I'm doing work with Voters of Tomorrow, which I am more than proud to be a part of. Um, and I, I guess I just, um, I couldn't be more grateful to all of the young people that feel the same way that I do and are doing something to make a difference in our country because we really are the ones that are gonna be dealing with the consequences. And my generation thanks you. Uh, it's it's really important. Um, Maxwell, do you want to go next? I already went, but I'll. I'll oh, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, Ray, sorry, Ray, Ray, Ray. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So for me, I guess an hour race. You know, it was the day after the 2020 election. Uh, I worked in like our governor's office before and a bunch of. Uh, campaigns. But, you know, the day after that 2020 election, I sat at a bonfire in a backyard uh, in the suburbs of St. Louis with a bunch of friends. And we really just talked about the issues that we care about. You know, we care about student loan forgiveness. We care about universal health care. We care about protecting unions. And what stood between, you know, me and working on those federal issues was a federal office, Congress. And I lived in the closest congressional district in the country in 2020, decided by only 115 votes between Trump and Biden. Uh, But our uh, candidate, our congressional candidate, lost by 30,000 votes. Um, So I believe that, you know, voters in the suburbs of St. Louis, you know, wanted someone fresh, someone energetic, someone kind of breathe new life into the party. And I think the theme of Gen Z is that we don't really wait around for someone else to come fix our issues. We step up. You see that in Maxwell Frost. You see that in Voters of Tomorrow. You see that in Sam. Uh, We step up and fix the issues ourselves, you know. Um, Since the election, you know, I... I'm using, you know, the platform and the voice given to me to help bring up as many young leaders as possible and visit as many colleges and high schools as I can to get kids involved, making sure that they're making plans with uh, their friends to go to the polls and turn out and numbers unseen the midterm election for young people. Very exciting to me. And Sam, talk about yourself and what the issues are that you care about. Yeah, absolutely. Mine was more of a uh, a steady, slow engagement. But uh, first of all, thank you guys for hosting and Ray, Maxwell, Mariana. I actually know the three of you, so good to see you guys again. Um, But absolutely, I I, I started growing up. I started paying attention to the state legislatures and what's happening on the state level here in Ohio, which is something not a lot of people pay attention to. I started realizing the corruption and the extremism that was within the state house and within Columbus. And if you didn't know, it was ranked as the most corrupt state government out of all 50 states. Ohio was we we have a problem here. Uh, And so then I, you know, I got into campaign work as soon as I could early in high school. And two of those campaigns uh, are my our current minority leader who ran for Congress, Allison Russo. Uh, and and our U.S. rep, who is now running for Senate, Tim Ryan, have both come out and endorsed my campaign. Uh, but I think like these three uh, we're talking about, we've got to focus on the issues that Gen Z and pe- folks like us are really concerned with. Because I think if you look at the average age of our state legislatures of Congress, they are well above the average age of our population. They are out of touch uh, and they really don't know what we want. We care about the environment. We trust science and trust the experts. We care about making an economy, uh, making an economy that works for everyone, including our workers. We care uh, about strengthening our unions. And, and finally, I think Maxwell might have mentioned this, but protecting our democracy. We can't have any policy change until we ensure that we have a, a safe and steady democracy. Uh, and the foundations of that begin in the state legislature, right? They're the last line of defense if someone tries to overturn another election. So I'm happy to be here uh, and I'm happy to get into more of all of these issues that the four of us really care about. 
We definitely want to get into those issues and talk more about some of the work you're doing. And I think someone said on the panel that Gen Z is really unique because we don't wait around. I mean, all of us on this panel, we found some way to get involved, and that's so important. And so I want to dive maybe a little bit deeper into this Gen Z and how people think about Gen Z. Um, at the outset, I said we're such a unique generation. I'm curious how you would all describe Generation Z. What makes this generation so unique compared to um, other generations? I'm going to say... Um it has a lot to do with how much we're on the internet, I think. Just like, um, I, I really do, just constant exposure to um, all different types of facets of culture and news and politics and every anything you can imagine. Um, I do think that that has an effect on people. And um, I think it can be dangerous and challenging when we're talking about misinformation systems that... Um, exist in our online culture. But I think that as someone that grew up pretty online, um, I learned about a lot of things that I wouldn't have learned about in school or from my parents on the internet. My household wasn't a particularly political household. Um, my interest in politics came because of my experiences online and because of the people that I was in interacting with and because of the people that I was looking up to and seeing on the internet. And so um, I do think, and I work in digital, so it's like a, a particular soft spot for me, but I do think there's something um, really special and different about the way that young people um, have sort of grown up online. And it's also a little bit like it can be harmful and dangerous. We know there's like a bunch of mental health issues tied into it, but um, I, I do think there's some pros there. I, I want to get to everyone, but I do I, I do feel like I want to ask a follow-up question, Mariana, which is there is another danger of it, which is anyone has a voice, and that means they can lie and put out disinformation, misinformation, and millions of people will see it and believe it. And how how can we deal with that? Because one of the big problems for saving democracy is that facts matter. But if you believe an alternative universe of information and you think those are facts, how do we get people to understand what is true and what is made up? Um, that's an incredibly difficult question. And it's one that like I have trouble answering. Um, I was lucky in that I had teachers in school, in high school, that sort of like taught us about how to look for reliable sources of information online. Um, and I do think a lot of that is sort of um, just like information that I've taken with me and valued a lot. But um, the, it, it's so difficult because um, I do at some level, I, I do like think that platforms do have a responsibility to the people that are on their platforms to provide them with um, Yeah unharmful information um but truthful let's just say truthful yeah truthful, yeah, truthful. Um, I mean, but also like the if someone's telling a joke if someone's saying something funny and um i don't know i think there there's also a place where like um expression and like creativity on the internet could get yes, like yeah. limited there but yeah. um which is another thing that I think Gen Z is fantastic at is uh, we're an incredibly expressive generation online. But um, I, I do think that platforms have a responsibility to their users. And um, 
we also have a responsibility to our fellow citizens to be truthful. Victor, I often think we don't have enough differences that we discuss in terms of our generational differences. But I want to talk to you about snail mail and stamps. Do you even know or have you ever used stamps and snail mail? What's mail and what's stamps? I Yes, now I've heard of mail and stamps, but I um, we were talking the other day and um, one of my friends was going to ask me how to mail something out and she didn't know that you needed a stamp to do it. And so I don't think there are enough young people who know what mail or stamp are. So let's talk about that because I use them to communicate with fans who send me pins and wonderful letters and I return a handwritten thank you note because that's how I was raised was you have to handwrite a thank you note. You put a stamp on it and you mail it in the U.S. postage. Mm -hmm. My husband, who's a small business owner, he has an antique gallery that specializes in Oriental art and Asian art. Um, and I know from watching him prepare for the insane holiday season, how important it is to be prepared for the chaos of holiday mailing and shipping. If you haven't started doing it now, you're already falling behind, but luckily stamps.com has everything you need to make your life a whole lot easier. Efficiency and communication are the key to success, whether you're running a law office or getting through school. And stamps.com is perfect to make sure that whether you are a student or someone like me, or an antiques gallery owner, you never miss a beat, giving you more time for what's important, no matter how busy you are. And I know for my peers, stamps can be important because maybe we want to send a gift for someone's birthday or for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or for different holidays. And so I know there are uses for stamps for my generation too. And stamps.com, it's the 24-7 post office that you can access from anywhere. And with no lines, no traffic, and no hassle, Stamps.com is your one-stop shop for all of your shipping and mailing needs. Now that inflation's on the rise, every dollar really, really counts. So as students, I know that we're, we're sometimes on a budget, so protect your margins and all the cash you need for school, especially with major discounts on USPS and UPS rates. You can get up to 86% off. That's huge. That's unheard of for a lot of college students. So it's a great deal. It's a stress-free solution for every small business to just use stamps.com to print postage wherever you do business. All you need is a computer and printer. And if you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your stamps.com dashboard. For my generation who do everything online, it's the only way. Plus, with rates constantly changing, stamps.com's switch and save feature allows you to easily compare carriers and rates so you know you are getting the best deal every time. And if you're running an online store, stamps.com works seamlessly with all the major shopping carts and marketplaces. So get ahead of the holiday chaos this year. Get started with stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code IGEN, that's I-G-E-N, for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale, and no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code IGEN, that's I-G-E-N, 
or look for the link in our show notes. So this may be an issue that Victor and I should have an episode about, which is how do you vet the sources? How do you determine what's truthful? But let's let's move on. Um, who yeah. wants to go next? Yeah, I, I can go next. Um, I actually have to head out a little early, so okay. I'll, uh, this will be my sign off. But um, you know, I always think about the the timeline of our generation, and I'm I'm on the I'm the oldest uh, member of Gen Z can be at 25, but. Um, I think we've all gone through a very similar upbringing, right? I think about being in elementary school and like watching my dad, you know, he's watching the news and seeing all these college age people sleeping outside of Wall Street, uh, talking about wealth inequality and learning about that through Occupy Wall Street, continuing to grow up and hearing about all these school shootings, um, uh, going through more school shooting drills than fire drills, right? That's something that's very common for our generation. Growing up and finding out that a kid was shot and killed because he was walking while black 20 minutes away from where I live, uh, Brother Trayvon Martin. Um, seeing a black man be lynched on Twitter, uh, George Floyd, joining the uh, the uprising that happens, right? Uh, the whiplash between, you know, Donald Trump uh, or President Obama and then Donald Trump, right? I think all these things, all this turmoil, all this civic turmoil has all combined to create the only experience we know because we are so young, right? This is what we've grown up with. This is what we know. And I think there's merit to that because when we step into the spaces, we bring the urgency of the issues with us because we have this righteous anger of why has this not been taken care of? And this isn't to like pit blame on other generations or anything like that, right? This is really to show that the reason why it's important to have younger people in the space and at the table is because this is all we've ever known. And because we're daring the dream of a future where people have the resources they need to just live their best lives, right? And that's something we want for everybody. The last thing I'll say about Gen Z is I think we have this natural knack for seeing the world through the eyes of the most vulnerable and having this, you know, this like way of thinking that's like, look, my success is your success. Your success is my success. We don't always have to be competing, which is kind of the antithesis to what this country has been built on, right? It's about competition. It's about earning the right to be healthy. It's about earning the right to be safe. And what we're saying is that's a load of BS, right? We deserve to be safe. We deserve to be healthy by virtue of being human. And we shouldn't have to compete with one another for that sacred human right. And that is something that I think is beautiful. It's something that it's beyond politics. It's about humanity. It's about love. And I really think that's what sets our generation, not not just part, not saying older generations are not capable of love, but I think uh, even when you talk with, even sometimes when you talk with even conservative Gen Zers, there tends to be a little bit more of a left-leaning outlook on social issues mm-hmm. and the way that they see the world. Um, and I think that re- it really gives me a lot of hope for the future, so... But it's great to be here with y'all. Sorry to leave a little early. But. Sorry. Yeah, we have a lot of good questions. We'll have to have you come back and talk to us more about those other questions. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Thanks Thank so much, Maxwell. Thanks. So, I mean, there, Maxwell said so many great things, and so did Mariana, about the what makes Gen Z so unique. And last week we had on um, Ali Vitali, who has this new book out about why a woman isn't elected uh, president yet. And um, it just got me thinking about how this generation really is so intentional about bringing diverse voices to the table and we aren't afraid to challenge systems which i think is another thing that makes this generation so unique but i want to maybe focus in more on um the online aspect that um mariana brought up and how we're so digitally connected and so sam i just want to ask you you're running a campaign how has 
being the most online generation affected how you deal with, I guess, your campaign and reach voters? Yeah, well, you asked me that question. And to be quite honest with you, my answer to that is going to be the same answer I was going to answer for the last question, which is, uh, like Mariana said, we are we are kind of chronically online. And at that times, that can be a bad thing, right? Everything in moderation. But at the same time, uh, you think of most people in Gen Z, I mean, 99.9% of people, the first thing you do when you don't know what else to do is pick up your cell phone and you check Instagram and you check Twitter and you check TikTok and you check Facebook. You check your social media apps and social media is a unique way that you can really cater to, especially younger generations, right? Um, this is where they are. And we, we talk about reaching people where they are. And sometimes that comes from running ads or getting on doors, but that also uh, works with social media. We've made social media a huge part of our campaign. It helps campaigns and ours in fundraising. It helps us in getting my name recognition out there. And it helps us in delivering this, again, common sense message to people. And I think, again, social media has the, the qualities to be able to amplify that to people mm -hmm. who wouldn't normally see it, which is why I think young people and especially young campaigns, uh, you know, we've, we've figured out a way to maximize our output there and reach as many people as possible. Definitely. And, and Ray, I know you also ran a campaign uh, and also now registering voters. How has kind of this technology digital age uh, affected your work? Yeah, so a lot of these colleges that I'll, that I'll visit, like their SGA president or their Democratic uh, club president, they'll like DM me on Twitter or Instagram and say like, hey, uh, I saw you visited this school. Will you come to whatever school, um, our school, and help us organize some kids and uh, we'll blast all of our social media and we'll put tips on how to uh, make plans and bring your friends to the polls. Um, social media is a big tool. Um, and I think it's really a gift that our generation has. Um, you know, by far, I think we're the most compassionate, inclusive, and caring generation of a very, very long time. Um, and I think that, you know, when we all participate, not even the skies are limit. Mm -hmm. So I think we, we have a good understanding of what Gen Z is. I'm curious what you all would say. What are the biggest misconceptions about Gen Z? What do people get wrong about our generation? And maybe we can go Ray, well, Sam, and then... Or, and yeah, and let me add something before you answer that, which is, I just want to say there's a lot of articles and a lot of my friends who are in business have commented that Gen Z, they won't work in the way that past generations have. They are willing to work only when they want to. And... Um, Two of my sisters-in-law from the Sisters-in-Law podcast are professors who say, you know, even in law school, students don't come to class unless they feel like it. They have a million <laughs> excuses. And so I, I want that to be part of the evaluation. And also because you've described a generation, all, all of you, and, and in, including, you know, have said you're a caring, compassionate but there are a lot of Gen Zers who are Trumpers, and I don't know the statistics on it, but some of them, you know, drank the Kool-Aid. And so I just want to hear about, you know, those people as well, but but particularly about your attitude toward work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, I got to think where to start. Okay, so... I get the I get the whole yeah Gen Z doesn't care young people they don't turn out to vote um, but I think the world that we live in the world as it's changing isn't the same world that world just yeah. isn't the same as the one that older generations grew up in um, 
and technology again is like a big part of that. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think and to connect, you know, with the Republican Gen Z Gen Zers, um, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat in this generation, you know, we all had to sit through those school shooter drills. We all had to have that rush of anxiety of an unex- that comes with an unexpected uh, school lockdown. Um, so, you know, I went to a, a college in rural Missouri, so it's filled with Republicans. Missouri is already pretty, pretty Republican, <laughs> but rural Missouri, I went to the University of Central Missouri, there were a ton of Republicans that went to that school. Um, and, you know, on, on the issue of guns, you know, even a lot of folks on that campus, they believe that, you know, we shouldn't allow guns on campus. We shouldn't have uh, guns just nilly-willy all around um, flooding, the, flooding our streets. Um, so, you know, I, I think that even the Gen Z Republicans will begin to take more of a compassionate stance as more of them uh, grow older and hopefully get elected and, you know, kind of turn that party around because it's going downhill pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you had a, a, a lot of good points there as well as that. I mean, that was a, that's a really hard question, Jill. And, and that we do a lot of us do conform to the stereotype where, oh, you got lazy college kids. Right. And whenever my team is registering voters on campus, we know we're going to have to work harder to get these people's attention spans. And I think that that comes with being online and everything. But I also think uh, you see examples like um, like the four of us or the three of us in Maxwell and and other people who are stepping up, not just to run for office, but to get into the arena and make change happen. And I think that outshines kind of the minority of Gen Z that doesn't care or doesn't isn't involved in politics because they don't think it affects them. Uh, and I also think that's going to start changing, honestly, as as we each grow a little bit older. But as we all really I mean, you know, Gen Z, I, I am a sophomore in college. A lot of Gen Z is just now coming into college, just now experiencing different worldviews, the one completely different than the one they grew up in. And I think that'll certainly help us become more compassionate. Uh, and, and I think you'll see kind of a spike in work ethic there as well. Yeah, I want to build off of what Sam said. Um I don't think I've ever met a harder working group of people than the team at Voters of Tomorrow. Um, And we're all a bunch of college kids, people just out of college, even high school students. Our youngest team member is 13. Um, This is a group of kids that found something that they care about and are doing work on it in their free time on top of school, on top of Mm -hmm. maybe school and a part-time job, because this is something that they care about and something that they believe in. So if you're saying Gen Z only does work that they want to do, yeah, we only do work that we care about. Like we do work that we think is going to make a difference. Work that like we, we can see tangible change in. Um, And also um, you mentioned Uh, Ray, I think you mentioned people talking about how young people don't vote um, in like article after article. Oh, Gen Z is not going to turn out. Um, I challenge anyone to find an article that talks about how Gen Z isn't going to vote that talks to a member of Gen Z. It's ridiculous. It's so funny. Right? Every single time. Oh, my God. Um, And yeah, it is insane. Um, I, I so hope you're right and that we can see statistics after November 8th that say, look at how many percentage of Gen Z's voted. That's what I want to see. Even looking at 2020, though, there was record high youth voter turnout in 2020. And 
nobody's giving Gen Z any credit for that. Um, no. Hopefully, we're going to have turn out just as high this year. But yeah, it it's like it never happened at all, and it's really not fair to us that older generations are just deciding to portray us as this lazy, disengaged generation just yeah. because they don't understand the way that we are engaging. So I'll, I have a oh wait, go ahead, go ahead, Brad. Now I was gonna say I'll bet that gen, that young people turn out uh, the eighteen to twenty eighteen to thirty five um, in twenty twenty will be higher than eighteen to thirty five in twenty eighteen. That's just a guess. Well, you got a lot at stake, and the issues here are really really big issues. Yeah. And uh, you know maybe we should talk some about that. But I think um, I don't know, Sam. Did you have something to? say and i don't know if you wanted to add i couldn't tell from your face if you wanted to say something if you want me to say something i can but i didn't have anything in mind oh okay well, then, I, I, then, Jill, can i can yeah. i can i follow yeah, go ahead mariana mentioned voters of tomorrow and that's um an organization that i just had the privilege of joining and i've seen them do such incredible work and you mentioned something mariana that i think would be worth maybe just touching our toes into and that's the media i think all of us interact with the media on some level either federal either nationally or state or local media what do you think the media gets wrong about gen z and then maybe jill you can talk about some of the issues that we care most about i definitely think that there's a tendency to portray gen z as sort of a naive disengaged um like young and dumb generation um (laughs) And like, sure, yes, maybe this is my first time voting in an election this year, but that doesn't mean that I haven't put any less research, any less time, any less effort into my vote than any other voter. My vote counts the same as your vote, which counts the same as everybody else's vote. We all get one vote. Our votes should be treated equally. Um, They shouldn't be taken for granted. They shouldn't be assumed. They shouldn't be thrown aside. Um, And so I just think that Young voters have a lot of power. Voters of Tomorrow is playing in 20 congressional districts and 11 gubernatorial and Senate um, races where the margin that the race was decided by last time around is smaller than the margin of new voters that have come of age since the last election. So young voter, youth voter turnout literally has the power to decide all of those races. And that's pretty incredible. Like, Gen Z has a lot of power in this election and in every election after this, too. There's only going to be more Gen Zers coming of age to vote, and we're only going to be a bigger part of the voting block for the next couple of years. So we have a lot of power as a generation, and I don't think that it's being taken seriously or treated that way. That's a great message to turn out the vote, is to show how much power there is and that it could make the total difference. Are any of you seeing certain messages that resonate better with your generation than other messages? What are the issues or messages that you think are the compelling ones that should be forefront? Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that many young candidates are focusing on, but also older candidates who are trying to cater to the younger generation is focusing on the extremism of the other side. And we can't run a campaign based on that, right? We have to provide uh, why we're the better candidate, why we can do things better, what our plan is. Uh, But at the core of the issue, you really got to look at the difference between two said candidates in any race. Uh, and, And in most of these races across the country, you have you know, a lot of incumbent Republicans, but a lot of non-incumbent Republicans who are running on extreme uh, MAGA Trump platforms. They are running as election deniers. Uh, they are running. I saw a study recently that more than half of Americans are going to have an election denier on their ballot. That is insane. And so when we can show 
uh, our younger generation who we were just talking about, we, we have a different outlook on things. We can take in new ideas and we're still forming kind of our opinions. And so we're more receptive to everything. And so when I think you, you take a look at that and you really show what the damage the other side has done uh, and the Republicans have done, whether it was under Trump or whether it's at the state level in any given state, I think that really moves the needle with young people and they start to realize why their vote matters. At Voters of Tomorrow, we had um, a really just like shocking and also inspiring experience um, back in June when Roe v. Wade was overturned. We put out an ask on Twitter and Instagram, essentially saying, hey, if you're a young person and you're upset about this, if this is making you angry and you want to do something that's more than just vote, send us a DM. Um we had our biggest recruitment push to date wow. based off of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, and in our polling that we did back in July, abortion rights are like the number one issue that Gen Z cares about um, heading into these midterms. So um, I think this generation really cares a lot about the right to their own bodies. Um, and this also isn't just about abortion. We know that the Supreme Court has said that they're going to come after Obergefell v. Hodges. Um, they're going to come after, um, oh God, I'm forgetting the uh, Griswold v. Connecticut. Um, yes. Conception. For um, con contraception. Yeah. yeah. And Lawrence v. Texas as well. Um, this is a generation that cares about our peers. We care about LGBTQ plus rights because our friends are LGBTQ plus or we are one in five Gen Zers, I believe, yeah, 20% identifies as LGBTQ+. And those are people's bodily autonomies on the line, our friends, our family, people that we care about. We care about protecting our generation. We care about protecting each other. So, um, yeah, I think that Gen Z cares a lot about um, each other and ourselves, protecting ourselves. I, I do want to jump in there for a second and also kind of just springboard off of this and say that this is getting everyone involved, not just Gen Z. You have yes. people voting and running for office who have never done so before. You mentioned what the Supreme Court would come after. You mentioned Obergefell. I have a letter here that I received in the mail from Jim Obergefell, the named defendant in that oh. case. He's now running for office here in Ohio. Yeah. He is a candidate. Uh, he was not ever planning on doing so. But then uh, again, the, the Supreme Court threatened to overturn that case. They they are threatening not just them, but state legislatures are focusing on taking away as many rights as possible. Uh, and so that's that's kind of that's our job to fight it, not just Gen Z, but the the majority of the population. who Absolutely. And and by the way, Jim Ogrefeld was a guest on uh, iGen Politics, and he is wonderful. Um, it's it's one you should all listen to because he's he was terrific. And I found it very emotionally involving to hear the personal side of that case, not just the legal briefs and arguments, but how it personally affected him. And so, it, yeah, I mean, you're really all right on target on this issue. And I'm so glad you're willing to fight for it. And I yeah, think Victor had yeah. a question. I mean, just just for everyone here, we talk a lot about Gen Z and and um, I guess the media does and, and how much we approve of President Biden. He's had some really, really, uh, I think, monumental success recently. Um, student loans, climate change with the Inflation Reduction Act, um, while not perfect gun reform. Um, what have you guys been hearing on the ground um, and how Gen Z is responding to Democrats and uh, uh, President Biden now with all of these uh, accomplishments? Maybe we can start with uh, Ray. Yeah, um, a lot of folks, you know, the folks 
who aren't poli sci kids, who aren't international study kids, uh, you know, they're not, they get their, in, their news from Instagram uh, or Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll just see like a meme of Joe Biden. And the meme was probably put out by someone who wants to make fun of Joe Biden. Um, so, you know, we do still have to do a lot of work with communicating to folks like, hey, Joe Biden has done an amazing, Joe Biden and Democrats in Congress have done an amazing job. These are the first two years of his first term. Um, and while he's done all these great things, Republicans have stood in opposition consistently throughout these first two years. And they're all running. None of them are running on doing anything good. They don't have any better plans. Like I've read the website of the Republican running in your your guys' districts, but I guarantee you it says, I'm going to stop Joe Biden, AOC, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer from doing X, Y, and Z. Um, they don't actually have a plan to do anything. Uh, but our candidates all across the board want to build on the progress we've made these last two years. Um, I think deserve a chance to, you know, we've done, Democrats have done a pretty good job uh, considering where we were in 2020. Um, so, yeah, it's just communication, effective communication with uh, fo- with young folks, you just letting them know, you know, all the progress that we've made. Yeah. So, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was, I, I completely agree with Ray. I think we've done a great job legislatively within especially the past six months, but, but during President Biden's first two years, and we've got to take that to the ground, right? Um, you know, usually a midterm is a referendum on the president, and we we have to start convincing people, again, some of those yeah. people who might just read the headline and not anything into it, might not see the facts and might not see what all this legislation is doing for working people and, and our families. Uh, and if we do take that to the ground and successfully kind of run on that, that we are the ones who care about regular people and not the 1%, uh, then we'll win. Sam, I'm curious, how are you how are you reaching young voters in terms of down ballot races? Um, how are you getting young people excited about voting all the way down ballot? Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's a big focus of our campaign. And so we're lucky enough, uh, the race I'm running and obviously I'm a student at Miami here in Oxford, but we have a college campus in our district that is huge. Right. And it's not a small campus either. Uh, we're doing tons of campus events and, and voter registration on campus. But if we're talking about messaging and, and how we or, or I guess how we go about getting them registered, it's all about enthusiasm. It really is. If you are um, kind of I, I remember in high school, it seemed like the all, you know the popular kids would think that it's it's lame and nerdy to vote. Uh, here in college, I think everyone's matured a little bit. And I think if you can make it fun, have a voter registration drive that is fun or do some sort of game or a challenge uh, and really get people involved, go up with the biggest, dumbest smile on your face you can, <laughs> usually you'll get a pretty good response. And that is the best way one by one to involve young people in our political process. These are all such great answers. And this conversation is fabulous. I, I think we need another episode to cover everything we want to cover. But I want to quickly move to uh, Mariana and your encounter with Marjorie Taylor Greene and your ethics complaint. Um, can you tell us what happened and what the ethics complaint is about and what advice you've had as to whether it's going to be successful as a way of finally getting to her? Yeah, sure. So um, Voters of Tomorrow had the incredible opportunity. We worked very hard um, to put together a week of advocacy meetings with over 75 members of Congress, um, both Republicans and Democrats. And um, on the Thursday of that week, we also had a White House meeting in there. It was pretty cool. Um, Yeah. And um, 
yeah, we worked really hard on this um, series of advocacy meetings where we were fighting for bills that Gen Z believes in. Um, they're all bills that are part of our Gen Z agenda, which is built off of polling of Gen Z, figuring out what our generation supports broadly, and then bringing that to our members of Congress, to the people making decisions, and bringing young people to the decision-making table and saying, this is what we want. Um, so we were leaving a roundtable with the House Rules Committee, and um, the Freedom Caucus was having a press conference outside the Capitol. Um, we did not have meetings with any of the members of the Freedom Caucus. And so um, we decided... Was that because they wouldn't meet with you or because you decided it wasn't worth trying to meet with them? We are an um, unyieldingly pro-democracy organization. We did not reach out to insurrectionists for meetings. Um, so Good point. Good point. <laughs> um, we saw that there was an opportunity, though, and we said, okay, let's ask them a couple of questions if they're standing right there. Let's ask them a couple questions about the policies that we're here supporting this week. Um, and Santiago, our executive director, and I started asking a couple questions about gun violence prevention. I ended up in front of her and she started kicking me. <laughs> um, it's even like now, a couple weeks later, it's just, I, it's, it doesn't feel real. It's, um, did she like, say anything I, or she just attacked? Um, she was upset that I like walked in front of her. There was, uh, like a, an electrical box and I had been walking in the grass to like stay next to her and not on the sidewalk. And so I had to like move in front of her to go back on the sidewalk. But anyways, um, her communications director said, um, you cannot block a member of Congress, which, <laughs> um, <laughs> But anyways, um, and a member of Congress cannot kick you as a means of stopping that either. But listen, I also think it's hilarious that she called Santiago a 20 year old youth activist, um, a child abuser. And oh. then she, a 45 year old woman, proceeded to kick an 18 year old. activist. <laughs> um, I think that's pretty funny, too. Uh, it, it, well, it's pretty pathetic and sad, I would say it's and it kind of reminds it really me of, is. You're right. Uh, Victor and I were interviewing the Secretary of Defense, who had, had the person who had been Secretary of Defense on January 6th, um, who had obviously not called out the guard and hadn't done anything to protect against the insurrectionists. And Victor asked him a simple question, and he almost walked off the show. He was like, I'm not taking that from you. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. And at the time, Victor, you, how old were you? You were 18 at the time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean... So, I mean, if a cabinet officer can't take a question and if a member of Congress can't take a question and is going to resort to physical violence, oh, where are we in this country? Tell a, a quickly about your ethics complaint and what, what that would mean. So um, we're filing the ethics complaint because we think that this is the best way to hold members of Congress accountable for behavior that really is unacceptable. And it also just wasn't a kick. She was um, blatantly xenophobic towards Santiago, who is a Mexican immigrant. Um, when we were there in person, she told him that if he didn't like gun laws in our country, he could move to another one where they took your guns away. And then later she doubled down on it on Twitter. She found his profile. She quote tweeted him and said, go back to Mexico, essentially. So, um, yeah, it, it's not just the fact that she kicked me. Um, this is unacceptable behavior from anyone. Um, this is just like rude and mean and 
just really disrespectful behavior. And so we don't think that anybody, let alone a member of Congress, should be able to behave in that way. And the ethics complaint is our way of saying in an official way, listen, we're not okay with this. Um, If you are coming after Gen Z, you're going to face the consequences of it, whether that be at the ballot box or with an ethics complaint. We're not going to let this go unnoticed. We're not going to let you get away with this. And just because you're in your 40s, just because you are a member of Congress, just because you have this seat with a lot of power, that doesn't mean that we're not going to put our two cents in and fight back a little bit. We're going to do our best to stand up for our generation, to stand up for ourselves. Seems like the right thing to do. And I am personally wishing all of you success in your endeavors, both in turning out the vote and in winning elections. I look forward to saying, you know, congressman and um, and even more very quickly. So thank you all for what you are doing for contributing to our democracy and to saving our democracy. Yeah. It's really important. I just want to say thank you, too. And you, uh, for our audience, you can find um, Ray, Sam, and Mariana on their um, Twitters, which is right by their name. And just quickly go around. Um, give us, like, one website as to, like, where you, we can find you or um, maybe uh, some of your work. Uh, maybe you can go Ray, Sam, and then Mariana to close. Um, I would say... Uh, Ray, Ray, we've lost your sound. Yeah. Okay, well, no. while Ray's hopefully... Yes, yeah. now. Oh, now, now I think we can hear it, yeah. Can you, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Okay, sorry. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not I'm not running anymore, so how about... you? Guys no, but in getting out the vote. Tomorrow's website. Oh, okay, getting out the vote. Um, I have voters tomorrow's done a great job with getting out the vote. Um... Let vote is always great and march for our lives. I would just plug those guys. Okay. Sam? I am still running. So if you want to go to samforohio.com, you can find all of my other social media on there. We're on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Sam for Ohio. Awesome. Mariana? I'm going to plug votersoftomorrow.org. We've got everything that you need to check your registration, register to vote, request an absentee ballot, a lot of Gen Z's in college. Make sure you're doing that now. Um, I requested mine to come to D.C. a couple weeks ago. Um, And we also have opportunities for people to sign up and text and phone bank on our website, as well as like our policy platform, more information about the organization as a whole. But um, in the first three weeks of our text banking program, we have reached one million young voters. Um, And we're not stopping at one million. We're trying to hit two, three, four, we're getting as many as we can. So sign up um, at votersoftomorrow.org to become a volunteer and help us turn out young voters by texting and calling them in critical seats across the country. And if each one of those one million reaches out to one friend, it is two million. And then if yeah. each of those, uh, it's it multiplies fast. So yeah. go for it, guys. And We're big on relational yeah. organizing over here. So yeah. Thanks for having us, you yeah. too. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, that was such a wonderful discussion, Jill. I mean, this is our first Gen Z panel, I think, ever, um, where we had all Gen Zers. Um, I'm curious, as someone who uh, is, is... 
on the opposite end of the generational spectrum. What did you think? I was very energized and enthusiastic about their enthusiasm. And I just hope that they can mobilize that very large number of people who fall in that. This November is a, I know you guys have heard this probably since you were born. This is the most critical race ever. (laughs) But, you know, this is a really important race. Maybe not quite as critical as November, Mm -hmm. but it is a forbearer of what November will bring. If all of the election deniers who are running win, and many of them win in a, a, a job that allows them to discount mm-hmm. how people actually mm-hmm. vote in 2024, we're in really bad trouble. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm hoping that your generation will get out there and do this and that they will take on not just you know gun reform, which is essential, and not just um, abortion rights, women's rights, women's bodily integrity, but also passing the ERA, making our current president announce that it is the law of the land because it has been ratified by 38 states, which is all that it takes. And that's a case that was argued in court this week and that I am hoping will finally come to pass. Uh, And there are just so many, I mean, climate, everything that they talked about are important issues. And it's it's time to pass the baton and let them do it. And um, I'm going to keep on working as long as I can to make those things real. I've, I've you know, one of them mentioned they had worked for the ACLU. I was a board member for many years and I'm going to keep on doing it. And but if we are joined by this new generation, maybe these things will really happen. Like our podcast title, we are this is going to be an intergenerational effort as we head into uh, November. And I just um, seeing all these people, I mean, I've talked with them on Twitter, got to know them throughout the course of the past couple of years. And they're just one sliver of uh, a broader uh, array of amazing Generation Z uh, people. And I think this, like they all said, um, this is, and like you said, this is the most important election of our lifetime. There's so much at stake from climate change to abortion. And I think young people really understand that there's a level of, I think, frustration and anger that a lot of young people are feeling. And I think will drive a lot of us to uh, the ballot box. And so um, it's, I'm I'm optimistic. And so I know we said we had 34 more days until election day. So we'll definitely be coming back to you with more content on getting out the vote and, and what you guys can do to uh, 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 vote and and make our election so that we don't uh, give it to Republicans. Great. Thanks, Victor. It's been a pleasure. And I hope everyone enjoyed this episode and that they will go where they need to go to sign up so that they can see us every single week and join us and send us questions and send us ideas for guests you'd like us to have on the show who you'd like to hear from. Definitely. And um, you should see a a banner on the bottom or some sort of uh, subscribe button. But We'll be back next week with another great episode of iGem Politics. You can subscribe to us on YouTube's, uh, I'm sorry, on Politicon's YouTube channel, uh, which is youtube.com slash Politicon. Follow us wherever you follow your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen, we're there. Subscribe to us on uh, Politicon's YouTube page and click the bell for our weekly notifications. We'll be back with you every single week uh, from now until Election Day and beyond. So be wherever you follow your podcast. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. 
We'll see you next week.